This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today for an extremely important topic. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Director of Communications at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And I totally agree, Audrey. This is, this, this is a topic, though, that, um, that really permeate, permeates then the classrooms, the boardrooms, uh, the, the office workplace, our, you know, our homes, uh, the media. It's, it, it's everywhere. And, 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 and so I'm delighted, actually, we're actually going to, to tackle the topic of mental health today. That's right. And uh, Christy Knights is our guest. Hi, Christy. Thank you for coming. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Christy is a psychotherapist in private practice and a keynote speaker in suicide prevention and awareness. She provides assessments, education, and strategies to C-level organizations, including C-suite executives in psychological health and safety management. And um, Christy, as you say, you really say this is an epidemic. It's a public health priority. And you actually offer free assessments to companies to look at their suicide prevention and the crisis and safety management, right? Yes, absolutely. The assessments provide a snapshot of the psychological health of the organization to see where the pitfalls are and how we can fill those gaps for them. And, and what does that assessment entail when, when you talk about the pitfalls? It sounds, so there's more than one of them. What are the other ones? Looking at the whole psychological health um, in, in its entirety, uh, one of the topics that I speak about is how to address psychological health from boardroom to family room. Oftentimes we see that impacted. So the assessment looks at the person as a whole and how it impacts the company both in productivity, profit, morale, um, culture, et cetera, because you know that one bad seed can spoil the bunch. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking, um, all these worlds can crash in and collide with each other. A home life can come into the office and disrupt that way. And then you've also talked, Christy, about the C-suiters. If they don't have an awareness of what their psychological health is, then that can bleed down throughout the whole organization. So where do we start with all this in our discussion? C-suite from the top down? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, you have really pointed out the epidemic that it is. We know that suicide has risen by 33% among our C-suite executives since 2010. And that is truly, you know, just disturbing to me. Here in the U.S.? Is that a statistic? Correct. Yep, that's here in the U.S. Yeah, well, I think it goes beyond then uh, the issue of suicide, though, because uh, we've had a high-profile uh, case in the sports world, for example, about domestic violence, and, and okay, you know, somebody shows up to work and they got bruises all over you know, all over them or whatever. It's like, is there a company policy? If there's not a company policy, when does the manager step in just by being human, basically, to show that they care and ask if everything's okay? It's like, how do you advise people, you know, managers in situations like that where the company policy is not real clear sometimes? I think that's part of what we do is to really assess what is your company policy? Do you have one? And if you don't, then let's get that into play by identifying the key players at your organization that is willing to make that commitment to follow through um, in the continuity of that policy to be sure that it's happening. But of course, we want our C-suite level to be healthy themselves in terms of implementation, right? And I think that you're right, Celie. You know, we not only see it in C-suite, but also through sports, 122 people die a day by suicide. 
you know, these are, are staggering statistics. Well, let's talk about that C-suite. For, let's talk about the leaders as far as taking care of their own mental health. Right? Because, you know, when you're on the airplane, right, Audrey, they always, they yeah. always say, you yeah, put the, the mask over your own face first or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yes. so let's take that. that approach then, then, then to the CEO and the executive VPs and everything like that. Uh, let's talk about mental health for them. How do, uh, is it, I guess it starts with self-awareness, right? And so how, how, where are we falling short on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there is an expectation with C-suite in particular that they will be strong, they will be the rock of the company. And so often they are spending more time caring for others that they neglect to care for themselves. It's essential for them to be prepared to respond to the concerns of their employees in order to um, be sure that we're, we're catching it before it gets worse, right? Because any avoiding or denying of those issues only makes it worse and becomes a crisis. And once there's a crisis, then we have that snowball rolling down the hill and it's much harder to stop. So they're afraid to show weakness then to their reports. And I kind of feel that it, it, having a mental health issue or, or addressing or even acknowledging such a possibility or whatever is a sign of weakness. It is. And I believe that's what traditional leadership has taught us right? You know, and I speak on revolutionary leadership and revolutionary leadership for C-suite or anyone truly is the ability to lay out your vulnerabilities mm -hmm. in front of your staff and say, here I am. I am here to learn and grow because when they're able to do that, they teach them how valuable and precious they are. And they're willing then to be vulnerable as well and grow. What are some of the signs in C-suiteers in particular of impending suicide or thoughts of suicide behaviors that other peers and managers should look for? Yeah, that is a great question. Interestingly, it's truly not much different than the average person. Um, and, and we are all human. So looking at the human element, so starting with, you know, fatigue, depression, anxiety, irritability, mm -hmm. um, inability to function at work, you know, the home life begins to suffer. You see them there drinking or drug use there it is right? yeah. giving stuff away yes excessive I mean, sexual experience a, a lot of self-destructive behavior not just related to suicide right absolutely yes yes and negligence of employees you know the inability to connect with others you're more withdrawn at times Okay. And what about um, domestic violence? So let's say you um, are a middle manager and you notice a staffer um, or more junior person comes in and like has some bruising and things like that. How do you handle that? And it's almost like if you do nothing and then something further happens to them, you're kicking right. yourself, but then it, these can be so awkward, but Mm -hmm. That's really what we do too as well when we come into companies is teach them how to have these intimate conversations that are necessary to sustain life, to sustain the company. So the ability to have those skills to say to that person, hey, look, I care about you because you're part of our organization. We are a team. I've noticed this going on. Would you like to talk about it? Or can I help you get connected to somebody that will talk to you about it too if you're not comfortable in this space? And there are resources that most companies have that if they have benefit programs or whatever, there are some resources that the manager should be aware of and direct them to, right? Absolutely. Um, we definitely have your health insurance benefits, EAP. Sometimes their human resources have benefits. Um, other, like my organization, we offer crisis management as well. So if they identify someone and they're not comfortable using their insurance, we'll come right on location to work through that crisis and how the implications of the team and how that has 
you know. Sometimes there's like an 800 number hotline or something like that that's available to them uh, with some programs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's both on your insurance cards. And then, of course, we have the 1-800-SUICIDE-HOTLINE mm-hmm. um, here in the United States, um, although it is a national number that I oh, use. Oh, okay. That's you good. Know, then they can text it or they can call it, and there is no cost for that, and it's anonymous. That's great so information. Many, so many people worry that, gosh, if we call this line, they're going to cart me away to a mm-hmm. hospital. Right? Yeah, they haven't done that in what decades, right? So. They, right. They don't. They don't. It really is a place to, to process. However, if someone is that at risk, they have the means to do it, but it's better to, you know, really move away that move away from the stigma so they will make that phone call. And also there's uh, with the, t- the telemedicine going on now too, that they, they've also then hooked you up then with psychologists though through that, where you can actually hop on your computer and have a video conversation and, 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 and you can go through there and, and, that, and that's a benefit that more companies are providing these days. And that's something also I think managers should be aware of. Absolutely, telehealth, there is research to support that a client can get equal amount of benefit and healing through telehealth as they can going into the office of a therapist. Interesting. Why are the suicide rates, that jump that you talked about um, since 2010, going up among managers and C-suiters? Mm-hmm. What are the causes of that? Do we know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes it's connected with a recession. So when we see mm-hmm. the economy uh-huh. not doing well, we see an increase in the rate of suicide, um, as well as looking at two-person income. Although you would think, hey, we've increased our income, but it has created a larger strain within the family. And when they're not willing to deal with family issues or don't know how to, we see that in the workforce as well, creating this cyclical um, cyclone, right, of of chaos in their life, um, as well as just the pressures of of climbing and being infallible, right? Um, That's constantly there. Just the stigma. The stigma is the biggest reason. Yeah, I I work a lot with uh, with, uh, clients in the advertising industry and, of course, in sales. And part of the culture of both of those uh, sectors is uh, drinking. And so yes. I've seen an awful lot of alcohol abuse. Is there anything that you can uh, suggest to managers or whatever if they suspect that one of their team members is uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, relying on that a little too heavily? Sure. And we're using a lot of examples of if they identify it. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. They're equipped. But what I'd like to see you know, in terms of revolutionary leadership is being way more proactive than reactive. Right. We really want these programs implemented so that when something does occur, there's already a plan in place. And that's what we help them do. But to answer your question, if they notice it, really, the hardest part is just having the conversation. Sure is. You know, yeah. The resources are out there. Like we've said, it's just having that conversation, being equipped to have it and willing to take that risk and set aside fear and pride. So how do you start that conversation? Honestly right? Honesty, being able to be vulnerable, having it privately, not having it, you know, out among peers where there's, you know, laugh, laughter, or people aren't taking it seriously, pulling them into office and saying, look, I've noticed you're struggling. I've been there too. You know, it may not be alcohol. It may have been something else, but I've been there too. And I want you to be the best that you can be. How can we support you? Um, And here's some additional information to help you on the road. It truly is just that initial conversation and being willing to risk right? And put aside that fear and that pride to, to do that. Yeah, I was I, like, what do you do if they say no? Uh, there you no, go. I'm fine. Yes. Uh, yes. No, thank you. Thanks for your concern, but no. Or how dare you suggest that I might have a problem. Yeah, and you definitely hear What that. do you do with that? Yeah. 
one of the biggest issues we see in companies as well is the fear of conflict. Nobody wants to have the conflict with C-suite executives. There's too much they feel on the line and they will not approach or be honest. So if they are resistant, you've provided the information that you need, right? And then you're going to check in periodically in a respectful manner because you, you're not responsible for that other person's actions. If they were to choose to continue to drink or if they were to die by suicide, that isn't your fault. You have done what you can to plug in the resources. And now it's about checking in with them and following up, being that consistent, unconditional support as a company um, and being sure that if it does become toxic, that you have a plan in place to take care of that. You know, if you're dealing with money or whether it's your money or the company's money or something like that, uh, gambling addiction is, is another thing that, that, that we see pop up from time to time. Is there anything you can speak to about that? You know, it's interesting, whether it's alcohol addiction, drugs, gambling, it's the same treatment plan in terms of getting that community support, getting a sponsor, um, you know, that first thing of admitting. You know, mm -hmm. companies have a hard time really getting people to say, yes, I've got a problem. Once you're there, then the model is the same. So with gambling, you're right. We've seen that rise by 22% in the last five years. Um, with that on the rise, being able to provide those resources. What um, do you do with companies? Uh, you assess their company culture. Some companies have a very high pressure culture, which mm -hmm. creates a lot of anxiety and um, uh, how do you counsel your clients in that regard? Like, wow, you really are driving your people too hard and they're going to start jumping out the windows if you don't ease up on them? Or how does, how does that work? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The higher pressure job and the lower ability to manage emotions increases the risk of suicide. So what we do when we go in to those companies is we show them where that's occurring and how to motivate their employees through psychological health and well-being and different strategic methods of communication um, rather than dictation and demanding. When we come alongside our employee that, or our people we're leading, they are much more willing to work when they feel valued by you rather than just a money generator. Why do you think mental health is such a taboo subject in, in, our, in our society, particularly here in America? It's like we just, we dance around and when someone dares to bring it up or whatever, they feel like it's a mask for, for, for some other social political issue or something like that. When it's like, why, why do we struggle talking about this? Yeah, that is a great point. You're absolutely right. And is specific to us here in the United States. The other countries do it very well, um, I must say. It truly comes back to that shame that inability to feel strong, um, lack of control, you know, the embarrassment of someone not performing as what you had hoped. So at the end of the day, the stigma really lies around the, you know, the lack of the view that it's, it's you're not strong, right? Or that you are weak. There's something um, wrong with you. Right, there's something wrong with you that you can't, you know, control your own life. You also have an area of expertise involving um, unsung, her unsung heroes, personal stories of pain and triumphing over difficult situations. And you actually said in your pre-show questionnaire, I thought this was great, you can leverage your pain to increase productivity. Can you explain what you mean by that? Absolutely. When we hold tight to our pain, when we hold tight and we are identified through our pain, it is if we're being sucked into a vortex. And 
the complete inability of uh, being strong. You become helpless. However, when we acknowledge our pain, our leaders acknowledge their own pain and vulnerability, we are empowered and a force to be reckoned with through that life lesson that we learn. You know, in my book, Unsung Heroes Deconstructing Suicide Through Stories of Triumph, I had interviewed 34 people who attempted suicide and survived. Of those 34 people, 75% of them have gone on to write their own book, start their own company, wow. write wow. poetry and publish it. I mean, I get chills thinking about it because they released the pain. They became vulnerable to save lives. You know, you remind me of another type of heroes, and too, I'm a big advocate then of, of hiring uh, veterans, you know, from our military service, oh. and sometimes they'll come back and they'll have their own issues, whether it's PTSD or, 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 or other types of things. Uh, do you do a lot of work with, with, with helping companies in, uh, you know, help returning, help veterans and, and be able to hire them and help them grow and develop? Absolutely. We specialize in secondary post-traumatic stress disorder, and that is, again, reliving that trauma over and over again, plus exposing those around them to that trauma through sharing their story. They are mm. also exposed to trauma, and as a result, we see depression, anxiety. So part of what we do in our assessment is identifying who are the veterans, are they stable? If they're not stable, what can we do to stabilize and leverage their pain to increase the bottom line? That's terrific. And by the way, everybody, if you want the book on Unsung Heroes, uh, you can get it on iriseleadership.com, right, Christy? And all the proceeds from this book will go to suicide prevention and awareness. It's just fantastic that you're Thank doing you. that. Yeah. Anybody that's, that's ever had, uh, you know, had to go to a funeral of somebody that, that committed suicide, and worse yet, if it's a kid, that is the absolute worst experience that I, that I can possibly imagine. Uh, how it comes out of nowhere and you have somebody like that. And so I, I applaud you for, you know, taking this on and, and, and getting the word out and hoping that we can increase awareness a little bit about, you know, how important this is, but also surprisingly how prevalent it is because it's like, it doesn't seem like it's as prevalent as it really is. It kind of seems like it's underground and we, and, and therefore we don't deal with it because it's not in our faces all the time. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yes. We know statistically in 2018, the latest research is that the, for children ages 10 to 24, it's the number two killer. That's, That's shocking. Off and, and, from and age it, 10 up. Yeah. It's the worst. Absolutely the worst. Well, so if you want Christy to speak for you, because uh, you and we met at a at a networking event, um, uh, and obviously, oh, and you have Ask a Therapist live on your Facebook page too. Can, can we yes. tell people about that? Because I'm actually going to show up for that. Um, so yeah, yeah. Every Tuesday night, I offer Ask the Therapist Live, where it's great. it is public post and people join in in droves i love it and they ask a question you can ask anything from love marriage sex career parenting and i answer your question live at no cost um, and you have access to me for well over an hour and it's inspirational motivational as well as instructional and educational for people and it also is an incredible tribe so people know they are never alone and also you have a podcast on the c-suite radio network just like us tell us about that Yes. Um, my podcast is Knights of the Revolutionary Leader, Conversations of Influence and Change. And I'm doing similar to what you are in terms of interviewing people and leaders about their experience of mental health and that journey and how they have used their pain to leverage and become incredible leaders. So it's a very niche market. Um, but to me, those who are willing to talk about it are truly revolutionary leaders. 
And now for people who want to reach out to, to you, do they do it through the christyknights.com website? Is that how you want them to get a hold of you? Yes, absolutely. They can just go to christynights.com and I do have an op option for you to schedule a free consultation um, and no cost um, assessment of your business as well as any professional speaking that you would be interested in. Yeah, and everybody, you have the coolest spelling of your name. It's not with a Y. It's K-R-I-S-T-I-E. And then Knights is not like day and night. It's K-N-I-G-H-T-S, like Knights of the Round Table. Yeah. Or, or Vegas Golden Knights or, you know, That's or, right. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. It's a great topic and, uh, you know, really glad that you're out there circulating. Thanks. Thank Christy. you so much. Yeah. I'm so glad I met you, Christy, and thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>